This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for calling this meeting this morning that we might hear from you what you have to say to us in Jesus' name, amen. Please turn in your Bibles. We're gonna be covering this morning Matthew chapter 22 and these uh, section here, which is uh, verses 23 through 33. Matthew 22, verses 23 through 33. This is gonna be where we're at this morning. We're gonna be looking at this uh, very important passage, very important passage here of Enter in the Sadducees. I'm not referring to you, Ken. I'm talking about the passage here. The Sadducees in verse 23. Here we go. The same day came to him the Sadducees, which say that there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now, There were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased and having no issue, left his wife so unto his brother, likewise the second also, the third unto the seventh, last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven, for they all had her? Jesus answered and said unto them, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God, but as touching the resurrection of the dead. Have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Now, verse 23 starts off with these words, the same day, which leads us really into the context of what we're looking at here, because we think about which day was that, what happened on that day, what was all of Easter, now it's fresh on our minds, we had that last Sunday, Sunday, and the Sunday, as you remember, before Easter is Palm Sunday, the same day 
in verse 23 is the day after Palm Sunday. This is the day after King Jesus made his triumphal entry into, the, into his city, Jerusalem. He spent the night outside of Jerusalem in the city of Bethany in the house he loved to resort to, the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and now he's returning to Jerusalem. He's coming into the temple. This is the temple that he had the day before is woken up in Matthew 21, the chapter before Matthew 21, verse 12, Matthew 21, 12, where it says, Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them, it's written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. That was the day before this day. So as expected, he encountered a conflict first the chief priests and the scribes, this is the day before, and so this new day now in Jerusalem, he comes in and he's now challenged by the chief priests and the, and the elders in verse 23 when he was come, I'm sorry, chapter 21, verse 23, 21, 23, when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and elders and the people came unto him as he was teaching and interrupted him, well, it doesn't say, and said, by what authority doest thou these things who gave this authority? So we saw how he met that challenge by turning it all around for their question and asking them a question, and that was about the authority of John the Baptist, which they refused to answer. So then, at that point, turned around again and spoke to his opponents about a choice a critical choice that they had made, and he spoke to them through a parable of a father with two sons who the father had called to go work in his vineyard. And so he gave them that message, they made the wrong choice. And then he then turned around and he spoke again to his opponents about their hostile reaction to God through another parable. A parable about a landowner with a vineyard who had hired men to go work in his vineyard, and they end up abusing the messengers that the landowner sent there and finally killing the landowner's son. And he again spoke to his opponents about their refusal to accept God's invitation to honor God's son through a parable of a king who had a son and he was making this grain wedding for his son and he, he spoke the parable about the first group that refused to come. So again, on this same day, because remember now, we're talking about the same day, all this is happening on the same day, his opponents now have, they regrouped, and they set up a trap for him, as we saw, by bringing in Caesar's representatives, and then asking him, was it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And then he then responded with a statement that really caused people to marvel. It was a marvelous statement. When he said in verse 21, verse 21, render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. So what we've been seeing here in this passage of this day that stretched over these two chapters now is one wave after another wave where the opponents step up with the same hope to bring him down. They wanna bring him down. All these things happened on the same day. 
And it brings us now to the force of the words that we're looking at in verse 23. In verse 23, where it says, the same day came to him the Sadducees. So this is the scene, this is the stage that we've got before us. We got one fighter in the ring, and that's Christ. And then we have waves of fighters that step into the ring. Pharisees, Herodians, scribes, and elders, and they get one by one knocked out. And the only one standing in the ring is Christ. And now comes the next fighters into the ring, which is verse 23, the Sadducees. Enter in the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. So from these two verses, verses 22 and 23, we see, though if you put them together, we see the words that say, they left him and went their way, that was the last group, the same day came to him the Sadducees. We got a picture here. We got a picture of the Pharisees and the Herodians leaving the ring with their heads hanging down and saying essentially what others said, other opponents said in John 7, 46, John 7, 46, the officers answered, never man spake like this man. And so we can imagine the Pharisees and the Herodians leaving the ring, leaving the boxing ring, as the Sadducees are saying to the Herodians and the Pharisees as they're about to enter into the boxing ring, and so the, the Sadducees are saying to the Pharisees and Herodians who are leaving, how'd you do? And they reply, never man spake like this man. And the Sadducees, they're all puffed up, they're proud, and they're saying, yeah, well, you just, that's because you're Pharisees. You know? Not as good as we are, we'll show you who's smarter. And so here comes the Sadducees, and they're sure that they're gonna land a knockout punch to Christ with this argument that got it all prepared up. So the wording in verse 23 is very significant when it introduces this group as the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, but just because they say there is no resurrection doesn't mean that there is no resurrection. I mean, we just... We're thinking about resurrection, Easter Resurrection Day. It's a happy day because Christ died for our sins and was resurrected from the grave. But there are many people today who don't want there to be a resurrection. They don't call themselves Sadducees, but they say there is no resurrection and they don't want there to be a resurrection. I mean, uh, I think of... Ernst Hemingway, Ernst Hemingway started a revolution of thought in his day. His writings were very influential for the English-speaking people especially. You have the French side, you have the Sartres, the Camus, the, and they were leading in that direction in, in France for there is no meaning to life, and Hemingway was in, in the same way. And Hemingway, he thought he was strong and in control, and you know where he thought his strength was? in his finger, because one day, he got up early before his wife did in their home in Idaho, didn't make a noise, and he, he slipped out of bed, went down into his basement, he got his favorite shotgun out, came up into the foyer of his house, opened up his mouth, put the, put the end of the shotgun on the roof of his mouth, and this was his only strength, to pull that trigger and blow his head off because he believed there is no resurrection. Now, but the truth is, there is a resurrection. The truth is, there are two resurrections. The truth is, 
every person will experience one of the two resurrections and will become one of the two resurrections described by Christ in John 5, 28, John 5, 28, where Jesus said, marvel not at this for the hours coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. One resurrection was called by Christ the resurrection of life. The other resurrection was called by Christ the resurrection of damnation. That's what he said. All that were in the grave, no one is exempt from this, are gonna come forth. That means there's not one person in a grave that will not hear the voice of Jesus Christ and be resurrected out of that grave. That means when anyone goes and buys a grave plot that they're gonna die in, they should look at that grave and say, I'm only gonna occupy it temporarily. Everybody, it's a temporary place. The person should say, I won't be there that long, I'll only be there until I hear the voice of Jesus Christ. That means that in every grave, people are essentially waiting to hear the voice of Jesus Christ, and when they do, they're leaving that temporary address and they're going into one of two resurrections, either a resurrection of life or a resurrection of damnation, and it doesn't matter if worms have destroyed that body and digested it, or cremation has reduced it to ashes, bodies will be reassembled for one of those two resurrections. These are the two resurrections that Daniel the prophet spoke of in Daniel 12.2. Daniel 12, 2, when Daniel said, many of them that sleep, and he used that word sleep, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's how Daniel described the resurrection of life when he said, some to everlasting life. That's how Daniel Daniel described the resurrection of damnation, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those that awake to everlasting life experience the resurrection of life. Those that awake to shame and everlasting contempt experience the resurrection of damnation. The Bible uses that word sleep, that word awake, to describe when the waiting in the grave is over. It's such a graphic word, awake or sleep, I think that God had resurrection in mind when he made sleep, when he created sleep. Because all of us woke up this morning, that's obvious because you're all here, and whether, whether you realize it or not, when you woke up, you had a moment of remembering. As soon as you woke up this morning, whether you realize it or not, You said to yourself, where am I? Why am I here? I must have been asleep. Oh, I remember now. I'm here, and I remember the time before I fell asleep. This happens to me a lot, because as you know, I split my time between here and Loretto, and sometimes I don't know where I am, and I wake up and I go, where am I? Oh, I'm here, not there, or I'm there and not here. (laughs) I remember falling asleep. Okay, this is what happens in sleep, and I believe that's why God made sleep, so that we could understand what happens when we die. 
just as falling asleep is to wake up, so dying is to wake up and say the same things when waking up from death. Where am I? Why am I here? I must have died. I remember now, I'm here, and I remember that time before I died. Every person will experience that. There's only one way for a person to experience the resurrection of life, and Jesus said what it was in John 14, 6. In John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the only way for a person to be resurrected to life, which is why Jesus Christ told the sister of a dead brother that he was in John eleven twenty five. 25. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, even though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now, if a person will be in this group that will be resurrected to life, he knows it. He knows it now. It's not a hope so with him. It's a no so with him because God does not want the issue of going to heaven to be a mystery to a person. God wants it to be a sure thing. That's why it says in 1 John 5, 13, 1 John 5, 13, and this is where the Bible comes in to help it be a sure thing. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. If a person does not know if he has eternal life, if he doesn't know he's part of that group of the resurrection of, of life, one thing is for sure, he doesn't currently have eternal life and he's on the road to not see that resurrection of life. But if a person says that there is no resurrection, one thing's for sure, he does not currently have eternal life and he's not on the road to see the resurrection of life. And if a person does not have eternal life and is not on the road to see the resurrection of life, then any talk about the resurrection is disturbing to him and he'll want to promote that there is no resurrection at all, and so we have entered it on the stage in verse 23, verse 23, the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. You might as well write it down there, the Sadducees, which promote that there is no resurrection, the Sadducees, which are intolerant of people that say there is a resurrection, because the Sadducees have not come to the conclusion that there is no resurrection from some intense study that they did of the scriptures. The Sadducees have not come to the conclusion that there is no resurrection because of some observation, something they've seen. The Sadducees have come to the conclusion that there is no resurrection of the dead because of a strong emotional fear that they're on the road to the resurrection of damnation. And so, here they come into the ring to give their best shot against Christ. Now they start off by addressing the Lord Jesus with the same word that the Pharisees and the Herodians did, which is verse 24, verse 24, master. Master, they call him. It's unbelievable to hear them say that because master means teacher. In this case, master means teacher. They call Christ teacher, but he's not their teacher. They have the same strategy as the Pharisees and the Herodians in their promotion of the no resurrection by calling him master. 
They're trying to allure that crowd like that rabbi I told you about tried to do to me when he said, oh, I really want to believe in Christ, but I just have a few questions. And then when he lets loose his arguments, it shows he has zero interest in believing in Christ. And all that is part, all that part is about wanting to believe in Christ. It's just a lure. It's just a lure to draw others into accepting the arguments against Christ. Same strategies that the Sadducees are using here is they're trying to get people to be on their side, so they've called Jesus master so that they can say, look, I'm just like you, I'm just like you. So you listen to what I have to say. Because for example, if they had come to Christ addressing him as deceiver or false prophet, then the people would have immediately labeled the Sadducees as enemies and they would have closed down to what he had to say. So the Sadducees come wearing this mask of Christ is my master, hypocrisy. Now the people are open to what the Sadducees, they think they're open to what the Sadducees have to say, so they come with their argument and they start off by saying in verse 24, two words, Moses said, Moses said, Moses said, boy, that's an invoking of authority. That you might as well said the Torah says, and now they bring up this law of not letting a name of a man die in Israel. In other words, God was building his people. In that building process, he had divided the land into 12 parts for the 12 tribes. Families within those 12 tribes each had a piece of land. It was important that each man had children to carry on his name, his family, his tribe in Israel. So if a man died before he had children, then his brother was to marry his widow and he was to have children with her, only the children would be viewed as the children of the deceased husband and his inheritance, including his land, was to be passed down to those children as if they were his, his children. The brother sort of stood like a surrogate father to his deceased brother. That's what the Sadducees were restating to Christ in verse 24. Now, what's amazing about this, I'm always amazed at this, these Sadducees are describing a real situation that occurred with a woman who married a man with seven brothers, or, or six brothers, I don't know, they got a lot of brothers, and he died without children, and then she was passed on to marry his brother, and he died without giving her children, and he passed on to marry the next brother, and he died without giving her children, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so on, till finally she passed, who was passed on to the seventh brother, and he died without giving her any children. Wow. If you were one of those brothers, you would have said, I gotta make my will out, she's a jinx. <laughs> anyway, what's interesting about this, this account here is that they didn't say, suppose there was a man with seven brothers. They said in verse 25 and verse 25, there were with us seven brethren. The situation really did happen. We can just imagine when that happened, how fast that news spread about that man with the seven brothers and not one of those brothers able to have children with his widowed wife. And you can imagine the, the Sadducees saying, oh, we finally got it. We finally have our real life situation case which proves there cannot be a resurrection. And you just picture them all sitting around at the fire, around a fire at night saying, remember that man with seven brothers and not one of them gave his widowed wife children? Yeah, that proves there cannot be any resurrection. We're right to say there's no resurrection. So they would come away saying, we are right, we are right. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.